0: We finished our series this morning on Cups in the Bible. We've talked about uh, the cup of service last week with the cup of cold water. We talked the week before that about the cup of satisfaction. We can have satisfaction in life, but it's only found in Christ. This week we talk about the cup of sacrifice, which is also the cup of salvation. But it's not some physical cup. It's in what the cup represents uh, there, I told you a few weeks ago that I have 23 coffee cups in my house, and I'm the only one that drinks coffee. The thing about those cups, none of them are really of any value in terms of, of, of money. Uh, they are maybe valuable to me because I like them, but uh, you probably have cups that were given to you, souvenirs, things of that nature. But I did, I did find one cup that sort of breaks the mold. And this, I brought a picture this morning. Uh, when we can bring that up, there's a cup that was, it's by the KPM company. It's, uh, it's a British company that, um, its cup is made of porcelain. It's made of blue cobalt. It's made of 24 karat gold and it has diamonds on it. And this cup, if you choose to drink your coffee from this cup, it will cost you around $41,000. And this company, the KPM company, says that this is the most valuable cup Known to man, it is the most valuable cup in existence. Well, I'm here today to tell you that it is not the most valuable cup. That's a picture of it. It does look beautiful, but it is not the most valuable cup known to existence and known to man. The most valuable cup is this cup right here, the Lord's Supper cup. It's not valuable because of what it's made of. You can take all the blue cobalt, diamonds, gold in the world, and it can't touch the value of this little cup. It's not value because of what it is physically, it's valuable because of what it represents. It is expensive because of what it cost Jesus so that you and I could use this cup. This morning we're talking about the cup of sacrifice and we're going to practice the Lord's Supper. And we want to make sure that we do this the right way. We want to make sure that our hearts are prepared, that we properly understand this, and that we approach the Lord's table the proper way, the cup of sacrifice, the Lord's Supper. And we're wrapping up this series So, uh, with this Lord's Supper. So what does the Lord's Supper mean to you? Uh, what does it represent? Do you understand what it means? Because here's the reality. The reality is some of you today, you're going to fall into a few categories. Some of you here today, this is the first time you've ever done this. You've been saved recently, and this will be the first time you take part in the Lord's Supper. Some of you have done this a lot of times, many, many times, and you understand the significance, you know what it means, and you're approaching it the right way. Some of you, though, maybe you've done this a lot of times, many times, but you don't really understand the significance. It really hasn't had any impact on your life. You don't really understand why we do what we do, and so this morning We're going to talk about that. We're going to make sure that we understand why we're doing this. If you leave here today scratching your head saying, you know, why, what did we just do here that I have failed you as a pastor, all right, we're going to look at this and I want to make sure before we do this, that we understand what we're doing. This is not some new focus. This is some, not some new angle. This is the Lord's supper, what it means. And we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians 11 to discover that, to revisit that this morning. Maybe this describes some of you, though. You were, you've done it before. You were in a religious place with religious people. The Lord's Supper was a religious ritual with no real-life meaning to your real-life issues. Well, hopefully, that, if this is you that this morning, we're going to change that. Again, we're looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We see A couple of times in the Bible, the Lord's Supper is mentioned. Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, he takes the Passover feast, he revises it, and he brings new significance to it, and that's where we get the Lord's Supper. He commands us to do it. In 1 Corinthians 11, where we're going to be this morning, all of that's happened. Uh, Jesus has had the supper with his disciples. He's gone to the cross. He's died. He's been buried. He's been raised from the dead. And now Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And he's telling them, he's wanting to make sure listen, you guys, this is a command. This is something we're supposed to do. Y'all need to make sure you're doing it the right way, which is very appropriate for what we're trying to do this morning. So that's where we're going to look. We're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we will read through that together. You just kind of follow along with me. Beginning in verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when I was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let me stop right there. The the Lord says, do this. He's not saying if you have time, if you get a chance, this is a command. There are two ordinances that we practice in this church. One of them is baptism. It is once you're saved, after you're saved, you're baptized. You show that you are saved. It's a profession of faith, believer's baptism. The other is the Lord's Supper. It's what we're doing today. There's no set amount uh, that you're supposed to do it. It's no, no time frame. Uh, Different churches do it differently. We do it uh, approximately quarterly, but we don't really have a set schedule. And one of the reasons is because I don't want it to become routine. And so we do it. We could do it every week if we wanted to. There's no set amount of time or frequency there. We're doing it today. Look in verse 5. In the same, or 25 rather. In the same way, after the supper, he also took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way, we don't want to do that, we want to make sure we're doing it the right way, will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself. We should examine ourselves, not each other. We are to examine ourselves. In this way, he should eat the bread and drink from the cup, For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is an act of worship. We need to make sure our hearts are right and that we're approaching God properly. Verse 30, this is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep. Evidently, some people in the church had actually died because they were not doing this the right way. So I think we need to get it right, don't you? I think it's important. Verse 31, if we were properly evaluating ourselves... We would not be judged. Again, no, not some new angle. Matter of fact, on Palm Sunday, I uh, preached a very similar sermon. And, and occasionally we're going to do this. Not every time we do the Lord's Supper, but occasionally we're going to revisit this passage and we're going to talk about why we're doing this because I don't ever want it to become routine. I don't want us to ever... Do this just because it's the time of year that we do it and we forget about why we're doing it We need to understand why we're doing it And we need to do it the proper way so that we will get the most out of it But that god will be glorified in what we do and that he'll be honored in what we do So this morning we're going to look at four lessons from the verses that I just read to you four lessons That will help us understand why we're doing this and make sure our hearts are right as we come to the lord's table today number one the cup of sacrifice it is a memorial to Jesus. Look at the verses we just read. It's a memorial to Jesus. Verse 24, he gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks. He broke the bread. He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's, a, it's in remembrance. In verse 25, in the same way, after the supper, he also took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a memorial to Jesus. It is about the person of Jesus. It is something we are doing to honor who he is and what he's done. That word remembrance is very important. Remembrance, it means to look back and to dwell on a past Vivid experience to look back and dwell on a past vivid experience. Now think about it. Is there anything more vivid than the day Jesus saved you? If you're a child of God, you can remember that. Is there anything more vivid than the reality knowing what Jesus did to save you, that he went to the cross, that he died a brutal death, that he was raised from the dead so that you could be free from sin? It is a past vivid experience. Jesus saving us. But look at the word. Remember the definition. It's not just that we remember. Yes, it's a past memory. The the command here is that we camp out in that memory for a while. That we stay. We dwell on it. We think about it for a while. I'm sure you've come up to a railroad track before. Train's coming. Light's flashing. The arm comes down. What does that tell you to do? It tells you to stop. And in a, in a sense, that's what this is this morning. It is the lights flashing, the arm coming down, telling us to stop and think about what Jesus has done. A past vivid experience that we dwell on to stop everything in life. To stop our busy schedules, to stop the, the crazy pace of life, to stop all the church work that's good stuff, to stop all of that, stop everything. Did I mention stop everything? We are to stop everything and think about what Jesus has done. His death, his burial, his resurrection, the fact that he saved us and set us free. Think about that for just a few moments. Dwell on the reality of what Jesus has done for us. It's a past vivid experience that we are to think about. Some believe that this is a magical table it's a memorial table not a magical table And this is important because a lot of folks believe that something magical happens at this table now listen god's all-powerful he can do whatever he wants but some actually believe that this actually becomes the body of jesus and the blood of jesus when we take it that something magical happens here but is that really what we're taught in scripture when we look at scripture Jesus said, this is my body, not this will become my body. He says, this is my blood, not it will become my blood. Now think about that. Compare that to other times in scripture where we see him do that in John's gospel. At one point he said, I am the door. Now did he become a door? No, he didn't. He's using a metaphor. He said, I'm the bread of life. Did he become a loaf of bread? No. He's using a metaphor here. It's symbolic because What we're saying here, if we say that this becomes the body and it becomes the blood, that means every time we do this, if you were taught that growing up or if you believe that, let me challenge you just for a moment because if we say that, that means every time we come to this table, it is a brand new experience, which means that we are sending Jesus to the cross again and again and again, which is not biblical. It doesn't stand up. Jesus is using a metaphor here. Let's look at a verse. That, that supports what I'm talking about. 1 Peter 3, 18, "...for Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm." If this is the literal body and blood of Jesus, then again, he's going to the cross again and again and again. But that's, that's not what Scripture teaches. It was a past vivid experience. It was a once and for all event that we are remembering. It's a metaphor. He's explaining to the disciples what was about to happen. Put it in context here. He's talking to the Jews, he's talking to disciples who are Jews, and he's taking their Passover feast and he's revising it. What was the Passover feast? Well, it was a memorial. It was, it was a representation, a time for them to stop and remember being delivered from Egypt. Moses, all of that, the exodus. So he's taking a feast that is a memorial and he's re- revising it. He's giving it new significance. So in the same way the Passover was a memorial and it was a metaphor for what had happened, this is a metaphor for what Jesus did for us. Then what he was about to do for us, what he's already done. It is a memory. It is a past vivid memory experience that we are to think about. That we are not just to think about, but we are to dwell on. It's not a magical table. It's a memorial table. We are remembering what Jesus did for us. And we should think about that. And when we think about what Jesus did for us, our hearts should race. We should never grow weary. And if we ever do forget, and listen, we've all been there. Life gets crazy. It gets busy. We get get caught up and, and we go through the motions. And there are times where we forget what Jesus has done for us. We should come to this table. We should confess our sins. And this table should remind us that flashing lights, arm coming down, stop everything that we're doing and remember what Jesus did for us. The Lord's Supper is a memorial to Jesus. And here's the focus. The focus of the Lord's Supper is not that we are doing a religious performance for God, but that we are remembering what Jesus performed for us on the cross. What He did for us. That He gave His life so that we could be set free. It's a memorial. Number two, the cup of sacrifice. It's the message of the gospel. This is a memorial, but it's also a message. It's the message of salvation. The significance here, again, the body of Christ given for our sins The blood of Jesus poured out to cover our sins. His sacrifice It's the message of the gospel that we see illustrated. Look at verse 26 again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now think about this. This, We're getting ready to take part in this. This is a visual sermon that we are all going to preach this morning. It is the message of salvation. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for our sins. The, blood, the cup represents the blood of Christ that was spilled for our sins. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ, it is an illustration. It is a visual for all of us, and we are proclaiming the message of salvation. Yes, we're remembering what Christ did, but we're also preaching the gospel every time that we do this. And this is a message. It is a message that we all preach. It is the message of salvation. Look at verse 26 again. As you eat, as you drink, this is a personal message. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. You eat, you drink. And as you take this bread and take this cup, we take it and we eat it. We place it inside of us. And that's the gospel. I can take the cup and I can look at it and I can honor it and I can pray over it and all of these things. But until I take it, I'm not participating in this ordinance. I'm not participating in the Lord's Supper. Well, that's salvation, right? I I can know the way to be saved. I can believe in Christ. I can believe the Bible. I can believe the story of salvation. But until I accept salvation, it's not mine. I'm not saved. So by taking this and drinking the cup, eating the bread, taking these elements and, and putting them inside of me, here's what you're saying. You're saying, Jesus Christ is in me and I am in him. He's mine and I'm his. I'm saved. It is a personal relationship. And that's also why this is only for those who are saved. Now, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. We're not trying to exclude you, but, but this is a table that's only for those who know Christ. You have to come to the Lord before you can come to this table. You have to accept the cup of salvation before you can take part in this practice of the Lord's Supper. Now think about it. Why do this if you're not saved? If you don't believe, if this represents what Jesus did on the cross, why do this if you think Jesus is not the only way to heaven, which many people believe? If you don't believe that Jesus actually died, was buried, and rose from the dead then why do this? If you don't believe or if you do believe that, that you can get to heaven by, by doing good things and being nice to people and performing enough good acts, then why do this? There's really no point. If you don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that it was his death, his sacrifice, and his resurrection, his burial, his resurrection, that makes it possible to be saved, then this is really just a si- silly ritual that we perform. But we do believe those things. And because we believe those things, for those of us who know Christ, we come to this table and we remember what He did. And it is a message that we're preaching to all who don't know Christ. Let me show you what He did for me. Let me give you a visual example of what Christ did for me. Now you take those two things and you put them together. That this is a memorial about Christ. That Jesus, He, he sinless Christ suffered and died for a sinful me that he went to the cross that he was he gave his life and that me being unable to save myself do anything I don't believe that I can be good enough or do enough good things he took my unrighteousness when I accepted salvation he replaced my unrighteousness with his righteousness and in doing that he covers my sins and he makes me acceptable to God it's a memorial of what he did it's also a message put those two things together There was a story a few years back that's just stuck with me ever since I read it. Uh, I heard it first and then read it. A story about the, the crown prince of Spain, Prince Philip. He was coming out of church one day, and this lady extended her hand, and just, you know, being nice, he shook her hand. Well, what he didn't realize is that she was a homeless beggar. And royalty in Spain, they're not allowed to associate in any way with with beggars, with homeless people. And the royalty watchers went berserk when he did this. Can you believe he touched a homeless beggar? They said they were shamed by the fact that their prince, who's not allowed to associate, much less touch a homeless person, they were shamed by the fact that he had done this. And they said, I'm quoting, they said, this just proves how out of touch he is with his royalty. They were ashamed they said, because he touched this homeless person. Later on, he was asked about it. Of course, he said, I didn't know. It was a mistake. If I'd have known she was a homeless person, I would have never touched her. Well, let me tell you my story. I am the greatest beggar on planet earth, spiritually homeless, lost, separated from God because of my sin. And forget the Prince of Spain or the King of Spain or, hey, even the President of the United States or anybody else, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not by mistake, he intentionally loved me, he brutally died for me, he arose from the grave for me so that he could touch me and save me and change my life forever, and now I'm a part of his royal family. This is the message that we are remembering this morning. This is the message that we are sharing from one beggar to another. The message of salvation. It's a memorial table, but it's also a message that we proclaim. Salvation to all who will believe, but you have to accept it. You have to take it and make it a part of you. Take it and put it inside of you. The cup of sacrifice, number three, it's a mirror for the believer. Now, some of you this morning, you got up, you got dressed, you stood before the mirror and you checked yourself. Is my hair right? Is it, do I got it like I like it? You know, for me, I wore a suit today. It's Lord's Supper Day, so I had to check my tie, make sure it was straight, did that before I came out here. It's a time of evaluation, right? I'm looking in the mirror to make sure that everything is, is good. My, butt, my shirt's buttoned right, shirt's tucked in, all that good stuff. Well, in a similar fashion, the Lord's table is a mirror that we look into. To examine ourselves, and it's so very hard to do that, isn't it? It is so hard to perform a self-evaluation, but that's what we're called to do here this morning, is to evaluate where we are spiritually. We look at verses 27 through 31 about being guilty of the cup and the blood if we don't do this, if we don't evaluate ourselves. Look at verse 28. So a man should examine himself. Verse 31 If we are properly evaluating ourselves, we won't be judged. So here's the message. We come to this table and either we judge ourselves or Jesus will judge us. Better to judge yourself first, to examine your heart, to make sure you're right with God, Uh, rather than him doing it for you. So here's what we do. We come to this table. And again, it's so very hard to do that. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons why we have the Holy Spirit, we come to this table and we say, Lord, examine my heart. Are there any attitudes or actions that are displeasing to you, that are against you? Any thoughts I'm having, any actions that I've performed, things that I have done or things that I haven't done that I should be doing? Lord, search my heart. Holy Spirit, show me. Anything that I, I'm not aware of. Maybe there's something that I am aware of that I'm, I'm doing it anyway. I know it's wrong. I need to confess that. I need to turn from that. Maybe something you're completely unaware of. You don't have a clue you're doing it. But now is the time to, to reflect. Now is the time to, to sit in the presence of God and to ask him to show you anything that might be displeasing to him. But confession is how we get right with God. And confession is such a wonderful thing. We confess. He shows us those things. We confess our sins and He makes us right. Dr. Ray Pritchard talked about two great dangers in coming to the Lord's table. The first is this. The first is that we feel we're not worthy. Even as we're saved, we feel we're unworthy. We we can't come to this table because we're not worthy. The second is we feel we are worthy. We can become self-righteous and feel we're worthy. Pritchard says, "Those who feel they're not worthy, they are guilty of the sin of despair. Think about that. Those who are guilty of the sin of despair are people who know, who knew that to he people new to the faith. They're brand new Christians and new to the church, or they are people who've been away from God so long they're saved, but they've been away from the Lord so long that now they are coming back to Him and they feel they're unworthy." Because they've been away for so long. Or they're Christians who struggle with doubt or fear or discouragement. And they feel that they are somehow disqualified to take part in the Lord's Supper. We, we feel that we're unworthy. And yes, we should examine our lives if there's sin that needs to be confessed. But once that's confessed, we're forgiven. And some people are living in their past. And they feel that all the things that they've done have disqualified them. But what they're forgetting is that we are not worthy, but it's Christ who makes us worthy. So there's the the feeling, the fear that I'm not worthy that can keep you from taking part in this. But then there's the second one those who feel they are worthy. He calls this the sin of presumption. Pritchard continues On the other hand, there are people who are guilty of the sin of presumption who are almost always the best people in the church. They are the people who know the Bible, they know the gospel, they know the grace of God. They're the ones who've been in church since the day they were born, and there's a danger of coming to the table and saying, I'm worthy, I've done all the right things. It's self-righteousness. Hey, look at me, look at everything that I've done. Look at this guy over here, his life's a mess. No matter what I've done, at least I'm better than him. And there's a danger that we can get a little too comfortable and we can think, oh, listen, I've got it all together. I've done, I'm at church every Sunday, I give every Sunday, I serve on whatever committee or in whatever ministry and all of those things are good and all of those things should show that we are saved but they don't make us worthy so one of two areas you can come to this table thinking you know what i'm not worthy my past it it prohibits me and jesus is saying no your sins are forgiven i make you worthy it is my sacrifice my blood covers you i'm covering you with my worthiness But then there's the flip side is I've got it all together and I am worthy. So this is a time for all of us to stop flashing red lights, arm coming down, stop, remember what Jesus did. It's a message that we're proclaiming, but it's also a time for us to stop and think about our hearts, to do a serious investigation of ourselves. Holy Spirit, show me if there's anything in me that would cause me to do this in the wrong way. This is serious. This is serious business. I want to get this right. I want to do this the way you intended. I want to honor you with what we're doing. I want to make sure my heart's right. So show me anything that would keep me from doing that so I can confess it, so I can get it out. It's time to deal with our hearts. Some of you, it's a glaring reality, a sin that you know And you know you need to confess it. You've been struggling with it. For some of you, maybe it's just that you're struggling with your past or something you don't even know about. And the Lord brings it to your heart in this moment. Confess it. Only Jesus makes us worthy. then finally, the cup of sacrifice. This is about us celebrating the Messiah. I mean, yeah, this is serious, okay? There's always the balance with this, right? Between the serious memorial, the significance, and it is serious and it is a memorial, but there's also the celebration side. I mean, we're not here today to celebrate a dead Jesus. We're worshiping a living Savior. I mean, this isn't a, a funeral service. This is a celebration. We're here today. This isn't a table of gloom. It's a table of glory. I mean, Jesus died, yes, but he's alive today. And that's calls for celebration for those of us who have been set free by the blood of Christ, by His sacrifice for our sins, His resurrection. This is a reason to celebrate. And so there's a balance here between the, the memorial and the celebration. Verse 26, though, says, till He comes. And that's the celebration. We do this until He comes, which is a promise that one day He's coming. That either I'm going to die... And to be absent from the body for the believers to be present with the Lord or I'll be alive and he'll come back to get me and all of those who have believed in him. He's coming back. This is the Lord's table. And, you know, we call it, it's called the Last Supper, but this isn't the last time we'll do this. Even if Jesus comes back immediately when we get done today, if you look in Revelation 19, we talked about it two weeks ago, there is the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. In Revelation 19, it talks about a great feast that we're going to have in heaven, a great feast with our Savior. And so what this is today, this isn't a last supper. This is a marriage rehearsal dinner is what this is. We are rehearsing until he comes. We're rehearsing for that feast that we're going to have with Jesus, where our cup will always be overflowing. It is now. It will forever be in eternity where our plates are always full. We're always satisfied in the Lord, and we have eternal security, and we have an eternity to spend with him. The marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a celebration of the fact that Jesus is coming to get us. That everything in this world, all of the temporary stuff, the good, bad, and everything in between is just that. It's temporary. That we have heaven to look forward to. Jesus is my Savior. Heaven is my home. It's a reminder of that. A celebration of that. That Jesus has saved us. It's an expression of our faith. It is what we do As a body of believers. And listen, this is one of the reasons we don't do this by ourselves at home. We do it together. I'm not saying you have to do it here in this place. But we do it with other believers because it's a celebration that we do with the family of God. It's a rehearsal for what we're going to do as the family of God in heaven. We do it together. The Last Supper, though, is what we call it. And the reason is because it's the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And there's a painting that's probably... If not, the, one of the most famous paintings out there, Leonardo da Vinci painted this, took him two years to paint it, and it's called The Last Supper. And it's all faded now, but this is a picture that highlights, it's uh, updated, enhanced, it would show you what it would look like originally, the colors that you see there. And it's long been suspected that Leonardo da Vinci placed himself in this picture somewhere. Well, a few years back, a, an art expert, a British art expert by the name of Ross King, he determined, and others have backed him up after investigating this, that da Vinci didn't put himself in there once, he put himself in there twice. The two men to Jesus' right there. You've got Thomas, who would become Doubting Thomas, who has his finger up like that, and then James the Greater, who has his arms outstretched like that. They're saying that that's... Leonardo da Vinci's face that he put in there twice. You know, I began to think about that. Why would he do that? Well, let me tell you, in some way, we should all place ourselves here. Because this is the moment, this painting, this is the moment where Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to be betrayed. Think about that. This is my body given for you, for me. This is my blood which is poured out for you and for me. Why did he do that? Well, because of our sin. It was our sin that sent him to the cross. Yeah, he, he went on his own. Nobody forced him, but he did it because we were lost in sin. So in a sense, we're all at this table. We betrayed Jesus. It was our sin that caused him to do what he did. And here's why this is so important. You've got to put yourself at that table before you can come to this table. Jesus has to be yours. Salvation only through Him. His sacrifice, His death, His burial, His resurrection. But once you place yourself at that table, once you own up to your sin, and you receive forgiveness through confession, through repentance, once you're saved by grace through faith in Him and Him alone, you can come to this table. And it is a beautiful table. It is a memorial of what Jesus did. What He did for us. His death, His burial, His resurrection. It's the message of salvation that we proclaim to everybody who needs to be saved. Salvation can be yours. You can have a seat at this table. it's, It's a message that we preach because of what he did for us. It's a celebration for what we're going, what he has done and what we're facing in the future. All of these things, all of what we've talked about today is all wrapped up in this one event that will only take a few minutes out of our day. But Lord, help us if we don't come to this table the right way. If we don't do this the way that he intended. That we just make it a part of our day that's just routine. We need to examine ourselves as a table of examination. We search our hearts. Holy Spirit, search me. Show me. So where are you today? Are you you know what this is all about? And hey, this has just been a lesson of review. That's okay. We need to review these things from time to time. Maybe you're here today. This is new for you. You've never done this before. And this is going to be a whole new experience. And you'll be changed by this experience. Not that it's magical, but it is a time where the Lord can draw you closer to Him and, and a greater understanding of what He's done for you. Or maybe you've done this a lot of times and you've, you, you just have to admit it's become routine. And I, I don't want that to be the case anymore. We're going to have a time of prayer, and we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and practice this ordinance in just a few moments. But as we pray, let me encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. Where do you fall in this? What do you need to do to make sure that you come to this table the right way today? Matter of fact, deacons, I'm going to ask you guys to come on forward as I pray. They're going to get, we're going to get set up here to take part in this. And so as they do that, and I pray, you just let the Holy Spirit examine your heart. Father. We come to your table today. We recognize that the only reason we're doing this is because of what you've done for us. We want to make sure that we are doing this the right way. Just the same reason that Paul wrote to the Corinthians so many years ago. He wanted to make sure they were doing it the right way. We want to do the same. We don't want to dishonor you in any way. And Lord, we know part of that is remembering what you've done. Your death, your burial, your resurrection, the price that you paid is what makes this so valuable. But it's also a time for reflection. Lord, I pray that in this time of prayer, as we prepare to do this, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, reveal to us anything in us that would keep us from doing this properly. If there's sin that needs to be confessed, Lord, I pray that we would confess it now. If there's Something that might distract us, let us set it aside. Lord, just search our hearts and help us to focus on you and you alone during this time. I pray that you would be honored and glorified by what we do here and that we would leave here changed by this experience today with a greater understanding and a greater appreciation for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. As we prepare to take part in this, again... If you are a child of God, you are welcome to take part in this. If you are saved, if you're not, let me encourage you, don't don't feel left out, but just take this time to watch what happens. Understanding what I've just presented, take this time just to watch this sermon unfold as we take part in the Lord's Supper and what it represents, what an amazing opportunity it is to do that, to appreciate the significance. Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat, and as often as you eat, eat in remembrance of me. To cover our sins, his life given as a sacrifice for us. And Jesus said, take this cup, which represents my blood, poured out for your forgiveness. And when you drink it, do it in remembrance of me.